1: The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience here at Conservative Review's Northern Command, still under construction. Lots going on here, so if you hear some noise, the door coming in and out, you'll know that that work is going towards making this show bigger and better, greater horizons. We really are looking forward to the relaunch, renaming, but it will be the same program that all of you love, just more people. We'll hear the maddening details of how our government is screwing us. And you know what? The more people who hear it, the more people who will demand change. That's what we're all about here. Now, we left off yesterday. And again, just warning, things are a little tenuous. Got a lot of construction here. We will try to have a guest on in our next segment later on. A border agent, Sergio Tinoco, backed by popular demand. Terrific interview two weeks ago. And I felt I had to get him on because I know a lot of you are feeling what I'm feeling. And you're sick and tired of phony baloney Republicans who won't shut up about the humanitarian crisis. It's not a humanitarian crisis. It's a border security crisis. To the extent there's a humanitarian crisis, it's for the American citizenry. And it's time that your messaging, your hearings, your legislation... And your operations should reflect that reality and those priorities for the people on behalf of whom you swore an oath to the Constitution. If you want to become a leader for Guatemalans, God bless you. Move down there and run for parliament. You are a member of Congress. You do not have the right to do that, period. And I want to get into this narrative today and what's going on here. But first, I just want to mention the fact that I called the shot on the courts. Yesterday, we recorded after the D.C. district judge so-called upheld Trump's uh, asylum policy and before the San Francisco judge so-called put a temporary injunction on it. And I called that shot and I said, this is Trump's perfect opportunity To not just implement what's becoming the only successful immigration policy to stem the border flow, but also to finally push back against the entirety of judicial supremacy. At least this forum shopping nationwide injunction business that's going to hinder everything he would want to do if he were to be elected to a second term. Why do I say that? Because this is the first time where it's not just a lawless ruling, where there's no standing, where it's wrong on the merits, where you know it violates 200 years of case law. But you now have another district judge that says the opposite, and it happens to be the district of D.C., which is the proper venue in which to bring a case against the government regulation. San Francisco is neither on the border— nor in D.C. in the jurisdiction of the government, federal government. It's naked for all to see how political it is. Don't play ball with it. Say, I have to enforce the laws, the sovereignty of America, and one other thing. You want to go to the Northern District of California? Well, that is the very court, the very court that has said, that the president alone can deny entry to anyone, even without 1182F delegated authority from Congress, because it's inherent in his constitu- constitutional authority over foreign affairs. It is a very simple thing. If they give in on this, there is nothing left to the presidency. Because let me tell you, today the House is voting on the budget betrayal. So you gave it on that. What else is left? What else is left? Now, a lot of people are asking, well, Daniel, well, well, what happens? What does it mean if one judge puts an injunction, one doesn't? Well, if one upholds, doesn't the other ratify? Like I always say, judges don't ratify and they don't veto. It's only a compound. uh, People are only confounded by this question. If you view a court as a vetoing or confirming body, it's not a court grants relief to a plaintiff. In this case, there are no plaintiffs. The ACLU can't get standing to say, I'm aggrieved because you're not you know, letting in certain aliens. They can't do that. So there's no relief that the court has the ability to grant. So it's not a matter of, oh, one court upheld and one didn't. They can't grant. There's no relief to be granted. And it's time we learn that. But anyway, I do want to get back to the real humanitarian crisis. As many of you know, I've been working overtime on these endless cases of illegal alien sex offenders, drunk drivers, murderers, killing Americans, raping Americans, child sex offenders every day that nobody in the executive branch, conservative media, Congress will even talk about, hold hearings about. But there's something more. So many of these people are allowed to get back in the country Because Border Patrol is not patrolling. That is their job to prevent these people from coming in. Every day you see they successfully, despite only having a few agents left, catch them. But there's so many they don't catch. Why, when the illegal aliens' desires, wants, and needs come into direct conflict with the security of America, why does the latter have to yield to the former? That is the question everyone in the administration, conservative media need to be asking. If by having us babysit, and now they want to do more babysitting, humanitarian, if that's going to allow more sex offenders to come in, and your job is to protect Americans, how are you allowed to do this? That's the philosophical question we all need to be asking. Man, I'm already hoarse because I was yelling at my kids today. It was a really rough morning. They just got on my nerves. So this is very difficult for me. I have no voice left because I also was on the phone all night. So uh, sorry if I'm a little bit hoarse and raspy, sound exasperated. But um, I give the Democrats a lot of credit. The Republican Teletubbies and my colleagues in conservative media, completely overtaken by Mueller. Ironically, Democrats aren't. They keep their eyes on the prize. The very committee, House Judiciary, that held the hearing with Mueller yesterday, you'd think they'd be exhausted, right? Nope. Today they're holding another hearing on separation of families. And there's a separate hearing in House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security with Matt Albence, the acting ICE director, to also just accuse ICE of being Nazis. Where are the Republicans With the counter hearings. Nope. You have people like Joni Ernst. What a Teletubby there. Joni Ernst. uh, Putting out. uh, She had a video uh, statement. Oh this is a humanitarian crisis. Stop playing into their hands you bozos. Cut it out already. Humanitarian, Humanitarian crisis. This is a woman. Yesterday after I recorded. News came out. Of yet another. Iowa. Illegal alien sex offender. So this what guy was a Salvadoran attempted to rape a 16-year-old babysitter. Okay? Now I don't have more details on this. <clears throat> the the stupid Iowa court system makes it really, really difficult to get any details on on criminal records maybe some of you can help me with that by the way so many of you have been a tremendous tremendous help sending me these cases um i think this case i i didn't know about before one of you emailed so in in your respective parts of the country look at in the news now look it's tough because you know sometimes you'll find a hispanic sounding name and there's not no more information that gives it away and it's tough it's tough for me to get it out of ice other times there's more info But keep it coming. The worst comes to worst. I won't be able to do anything with it. But this needs to be exposed every single day. People that thanks to our laws not being enforced. Are able to remain in this country undetected and commit more crimes. And why are those laws not being enforced? Because the very invaders have more influence on our government and media and culture than we, the American taxpayer, who pays for the rope to hang ourselves, who pays for their hospital stays, who pays for their anchor babies to come and vote us out. How about that? So anyway, this was a guy, this happened just yesterday, or at least broke in the news yesterday, maybe happened the day before, Cedar Falls. I said Cedar Rapids, Cedar Falls. Um, this guy was arrested. It was Tuesday afternoon. Saul Santos Vasquez Martinez, 43, was arrested for second-degree kidnapping and assault with intent to commit sexual abuse. His bond was set at 500000 I wonder if he'll post it. Court records indicate Vasquez told immigration officials he is in the country illegally. Officials said he is from El Salvador. This is from the courier there, Jeff Reinitz. Good for him. At least he reported that. Most don't even report it. That's the only way I would know. I put in a request to ICE yesterday. I still haven't gotten back to gotten back to me on more information. So I wouldn't even know and be able to report this if not for that local reporter. So thank, thank you for being the exception to the rule. The incident happened shortly before 4 p.m. Tuesday on West 18th Street. Vasquez allegedly grabbed a 16-year-old girl by the wrist and pulled her into a home. Once inside, he allegedly forced her against a wall and began to fondle her. Um, chief chef Olson said the girl was babysitting a nearby home and was outside with the child. Imagine that babysitting a small child while she was grabbed and dragged into the home. The two did not know each other. So this this girl could very likely actually be an American. A lot of times their victims are other illegals. The girl was able to escape in the end. And, um, she had scratches on her chest and marks in her arm, but she was able to escape. Thank God. That happened in Iowa. You know what else happened in Iowa last week? A mother and two girls were butchered to death by a previously deported illegal. Yet Joni Ernst didn't mention either of those incidents, and she's worried about forcing Border Patrol to spend even more time babysitting at the border so even more of these previously deported criminals could get in and kill people, rape people, molest people in her home state, and she doesn't give a damn. Because she is there, like every Senate Republican telltale be, to represent a government of, by, and for foreign invaders, not the American taxpayer. You cannot get more of a foundational violation of the social compact. And this is what we're going to have Sergio on to talk about. How they are actually making things worse by focusing their efforts messaging media and f- even funding on more humanitarian without more enforcement it's fueling the problem it's making their lives miserable but again DHS is responding completely to them i want to list <clears throat> i want to send you an email from a border patrol agent a message she sent me yesterday this is not sergio by the way it's someone else in texas He said, I just listened to Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, that's another golden calf. Humanitarian. So he was watching the hearing and he said, this was his day off. Why is no one in the GOP talking about the border and the situation around the border in its entirety? Why isn't DHS or the Border Patrol? Why aren't conservatives and and MSM or influencers? Y'all are so fixated on immigration and contending with the Democrats in that arena that the actual problems, not the symptoms or commodities of the problem, the actual problems and the security threats to this nation are not even being addressed. The left is emotionally and morally selling their open borders agenda. They are posting pictures of children in cages, sharing war-torn stories of heartache for families amongst the migrant caravans, showing live videos of families being separated, often without the real reason as to why the father is a felon or has vast criminal record from their home country. They're using half truths and misinformation to claim that everyone coming through the border are refugees leaving their war-torn countries looking for work along with the, with the American dream that our border is only a humanitarian issue. The left is dominating the mainstream media, social media news agencies and bloggers with this propaganda. Unfortunately, this message has now been carried on by influencers in every industry Professional sports, business, the tech industry, religious leaders, churches, Christian moms, and woke military veterans. He was that. that was a dig at um, uh, at Crenshaw. <clears throat> he continues. So then, is it any wonder that when the left is presented with the facts and evidence about illegal immigration, how it impacts our nation, they simply refute it as a conspiracy, fake news, or xenoph- xenophobia? The left is winning the narrative domain. They have influenced and persuaded the majority that the border is only a humanitarian crisis and is filled with good, hardworking families, refugees, and asylum seekers. They have blurred the lines between legal and illegal immigration. So when the president talks of securing the border, the response of many resemble that of Nancy Pelosi's, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They're a humanitarian challenge. So now if anyone talks about requesting more funds to secure the border, more agents, better technology, the military and heaven forbid a wall – They'll be demonized and shunned for being xenophobes, racist, and anti-immigrant. They'll be targeted by rioters, Antifa, and the left stating that immigrants are not a security threat. By controlling the narrative, the left is leading us to open-border socialism and empowering the cartels by influencing the actions and decisions of DHS, the GOP, Congress, public officials, judges, and the general public. And then he goes on to explain, Our leadership meaning at Border Patrol, DHS, caters and panders to the socialist left's perception of reality and demands. If you take a look at what is happening on the ground, you will see that CBP leadership is putting all their efforts into solving a problem. It is not border security. It is the humanitarian crisis. Where is our money being sent? Where are all the Border Patrol agents? How many are actually holding the line against cartels? Where is DHS directing all the outside assets? All the help and aid from outside agencies, where are they going? I'll tell you. My station has around 500 total agents, around 70 for day shift, around 90 for swings, and around 80 for midnight shift. The rest are in the rear. We call them house cats or fobbits. Well, with a station of 500, I'm averaging between 9 to 14 on the line for day shift, 9 to 14 agents. They halted the sector's horse patrol detail and made them security at McAllen. They are making our elite and highly trained Bortac to do the same do detention security. All the agencies that are helping us are doing detention security, hospital watch sandwich making, handing out hygiene items and milk and transportation. I told you that my army unit was called upon to do the border mission. We are a part of the thousand that governor Abbott and the Pentagon authorized my unit as well as others report. And he gives us a specific date. What is our mission? So not just border patrol, but, but if you're also in the national guard to help build and secure the new detention facilities, Mind you, they are infantry. One of our main missions is wide open, perimeter security. We have the training training and equipment to be successful. Yet apparently there is no threat. The cartels don't exist. Their impact on American communities is fake news and ultimately evil doesn't exist. DHS is the lead agency is directing all of this. They are answering the call from Nancy Pelosi and the left, but no reality. The border apparently is only women and children. So we as an agency are responding to Only this situation. And we are building these facilities because this is not just for the present humanitarian challenge, but for the future of Border Patrol and its mission, which will now only be to be babysitters. And let me tell you, the cartel threat is unimaginable. These people live, a lot of them, because of our broken immigration, they got into the country ready and finagled themselves status. Remember, if you're a cartel leader, you picture kind of a dirtbag sewer rat and they are at heart, but they're actually, if you're a leader, you're wealthy. They buy themselves property in Texas. They wind up living here. A lot of them are living in, in star and Hidalgo counties in the Rio Grande Valley. They're living there. They're directing their operations from our soil. They have their scouts on our soil, 70 miles into our soil. We have our military flung out overseas while the cartels are controlling 70 miles into our territory. And yet this administration, this White House, the State Department, refuses to even designate the cartels as terrorists, to change our tactics, to open up so many details, so many um, avenues to fight them on the law enforcement side, on the military side, those that are in our country. Let me, let me show you something from Borderland Beat. It's a great website, borderlandbeat.com. Cartel del Golfo, it's a golf cartel, a tax community in Chivalla Asuncion, Ixtalpec. There's a community there. A person named Eduardo Bernal or Aragon 54 was executed this afternoon. The events occurred when subjects carrying long weapons reached the small town square and executed this person. After the armed attack, the subjects left a narco message and subsequently left fled the the place. A vehicle engulfed in flames was located on the road that leads into the town at the place of the homicide. Several AR 15 and nine millimeter casings were found. The Sicarios, their, um, assassins, left a cardboard with a narco message. They'll often do that. They'll burn a vehicle and then they'll have a cardboard with a message. The message read as follows. This is for El Burro Poyito and his people. All, and for all the town who covers for them. You will all die. Sincerely, Commandant Jaguar, CDJ. CDG, that's the Cartel del Golfo. These aren't just like drug criminal organizations that want to earn a buck. They are trying to control territory and entire, not, not even targeted, entire towns and terrorize. That is literally the, the, the statutory definition of terrorism. I'm like, Daniel, they're not terrorists. I know you don't like them, but they're not terrorists. You could take your humanitarian rhetoric and shove it up your ass. So before I blow a gasket, I want to get to the next segment, get to our guest. I do want to note that as I'm recording, it turns out the administration, the White House, did put out an official statement on the court ruling. And look, they were a little bit more aggressive rhetorically than they usually are. But they ended off by saying, we'll explore all of our options. Um, Now, I know some of you messaged me on Twitter. Well, that doesn't mean they're giving in. This is my warning to you guys. It's precisely at that moment when they're they're being wishy-washy, which is when Trump's base needs to stand up and say, Mr. President, you don't have to take this garbage. Here's what you need to do. Don't wait until it becomes a full-blown capitulation. All right, back to our guest. So Americans don't matter. We have a government of buy-in for illegal immigrants, the entirety of The legislative agenda, the hearings are all about humanitarian crisis, humanitarian, humanitarian, humanitarian. I figured who better to bring on than Sergio Tinoco, a supervisor, Border Patrol agent, literally on the line in the Rio Grande Valley, the hardest hit area. Um, Lots of experience in Border Patrol. He was in the military beforehand. Um, He is a true his family is really a true immigrant story. Um, These are the sorts of immigrant families we need to be celebrating that become border patrol. And, And, and you know what people left places like Mexico. I just want to say this. They left places like Mexico and Guatemala because there's no rule of law. So to have illegals come in and then turn our law enforcement officers into demons and prevent us from enforcing our laws like a banana Republic does nobody good. But I digress. Sergio, we got such good feedback last time. I said I had to have you on. I know you're very busy. Your house was flooded and everything, so I'm not going to keep you as long. But thanks for joining us again today on The Conservative Conscience. Oh, don't worry about
0: that, Daniel. It's my
1: pleasure to be here with you. Sure. So I, I, I want to just cut right to the chase. One of the things I want you to explain to our audience, we have a lot of congressional staff that listen to the show, members of Congress, uh, people in the administration. No one seems to get this point. Could you explain how, when we focused the entire border narrative on a humanitarian crisis for the illegal immigrants themselves, rather than on a national security problem for Americans, where you have previously deported criminals and the tens of thousands coming in that you can't get because you're dealing with the humanitarian situation, the cartels, I mean, Living on both sides of the border, the Hawcones, the scouts doing all sorts of stuff, you can't combat that as a result. And could you explain how when we give funding for more humanitarian processes without the commensurate funding and policies and backing on the enforcement, it's actually worse than nothing. It actually makes things worse.
0: Definitely, Daniel. So our, immig- our immigration process is is a system of systems, right? Or a process of processes, I guess I should say. Uh, being uh, in Border Patrol and us running the border security mission, uh, this humanitarian mission that we now have has taken priority. Now, of course, we've heard uh, chiefs up at DC and and congressional hearings saying that we're down to thirty or 40% of manpower, border patrol manpower at the actual border, right? Because of this humanitarian mission. And then of course, we've seen all these images and photos since early April, which CBP released. Uh, I wanna remind your public, early April and early May, CBP released a bunch of images and footage of our facilities, the border patrol facilities, which are made strictly for processing these immigrants were overcrowded and overwhelmed. So much so that we had to erect military-style tents in our own parking lots to try and deal and house the, the, the influx that we were just, were just dealing with. Why, why did that take place? And so here's the process. As a border patrol agent, I apprehend an illegal, a person that entered the country illegally. I take that individual to our station, process that individual, and according to the it must be done within 72 hours, right? Unless there's some dire situation that that took place or, or there's a strange case with that individual. So within 72 hours, I must process that individual and then turn custody over to ICE. ICE then in turn either has the bed space to hold that individual If it's a family unit, right? uh, they can only hold them for 20 days as per the Flores Agreement, and then they must be released out into the public. But the process continues. If it's an unaccompanied child, same thing. We apprehend that unaccompanied child, take him to our facility, process that individual within 72 hours, turn that individual over to HHS, which now has funding, and the process continues. They hold that individual, of course, both ICE and HHS having the facilities that have showers, have kitchen nets, can, can provide food, they have actual beds, all the amenities that any person would want in a, in a shelter or in a place where they're staying at.
1: And I would just add, just to interject for a minute, often amenities that they clearly don't have where they're coming from.
0: Correct, and, and that's and that's very true. And I can say that speaking personally, I, I believe I've told you this before, yep. me growing a very poor migrant worker here in South Texas and having to migrate to Michigan, I did not have a bed myself until I was 16. I slept on the floor until I was 16. I mean, we were just so poor. Uh,
1: so certainly when they're coming from the you know indigenous population of Honduras and Guatemala in the jungles, I, I just, you know, Look, these facilities are, you know, nothing that Americans born and bred in America and living in wealth are ever going to want to be in. But, A, again, it's not our responsibility to care for the rest of the world. Um, We'll do what we can, but our job is to secure our border. But ironically, it's actually better than what many of them are coming from.
0: Correct. And the the process allows for us to take in all these individuals, process them accordingly, turn custody over to ICE. If they're an unaccompanied child, turn them over to HHS. But the process continues. They never stay in the border patrol facilities for no more than those 72 hours. Uh, Of course, we've had this huge influx, right? And since early January, even when we had the, uh, when the government shut down in early January, and of course we were not being paid, We were already telling Congress back then, our leadership was telling Congress back then, we need you to fund ICE. We don't just need you to help us, we need you to fund ICE and fund HHS because they are the ones that have to take custody from us. In order for that immigration process to continue, they must be funded, they must have the resources available so that that individual's immigration process continues and is not left in my hands. Of course, in a facility that's just not designed for that. Congress, of course, ignored CVP leadership for a period of eight months. Actually, far more because it, uh, I can. Uh, yeah. I remember Chief Provost even last July of
1: 2018. Last July. Yep. Congress
0: telling Congress that we were seeing numbers that were just not sustainable.
1: I, I was and writing about prepared. it last spring. Last spring is really when it started, and it reached the feverish pitch with uh, that court ruling from Judge Sabra in the Southern District of California applying florists to family units. Yes. Um, that was July, yep.
0: Correct. And so now we have, so we end up in this in this situation that we're in, right? Congress chose, for whatever reason, to not fund ICE, They chose, for whatever reason, to not fund HHS. So what does that do to the process? It completely stops it with Border Patrol. And Border Patrol is left with no outlet whatsoever. I mean, the dam is filling up with water. It has to have an exit. That water has to flow somewhere else. And it didn't because of the decisions that Congress made. They chose instead to say, okay, after months of being told, mind you, and even after months of of, of us showing them images of overcrowdedness, it took for one of them or two of them to come down to South Texas and make a huge outcry about a situation which we had already briefed them on for months. And then they said, okay, now we're going to fund you, but only for the humanitarian aspect. How does that help me when I still can't turn people over to ICE. I cannot still turn kids over to HHS. You, you, you're giving me money for diapers, for formula, for food. You're giving me money to make portable showers for these individuals, but you're not, you're still shutting down the outlet that I have for their immigration process to continue. So not only is Congress hurting us in the process, hurting the country, But in all actuality, when you break it down in the simplest of terms, it is Congress who caused all the overcrowdedness. It is Congress who caused all these individuals to be piled up in cells far more than they should have, to be kept by Border Patrol far longer than they should have, and to be in facilities that just, quite frankly, are not designed to shower individuals, to feed individuals warm meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner to give them the basic hygiene that they require on a daily basis. That's not what Border Patrol is for. We're there for processing purposes only, and that's it.
1: And really, ideally, for holding the line on the cartels, and the you know 19,000 criminal aliens caught this year with convictions in the U.S., certainly all the ones that you're not able to get as a result of this. So just to make it clear for our listeners, what you're saying is that when they go and say— oh, ICE, they're a bunch of, um, you know, thugs. We don't want to, you know, we're not, not a dime for ICE. So what you're saying, the, the problem with that is let's just put interior enforcement aside for a moment. And, you know, everything I think we've talked about. And, uh, I talked about on the first segment before you came on, just with all of the previously deported people coming back in a previously deported uh, person, just, you know, um, killed a family of three in Iowa and, you know, the importance of interior enforcement, but let's say you don't like interior enforcement, but what you're saying is that people forget ice is at the border. They're the ones with the facilities at the border. So when they chose not to fund ice, but to fund more humanitarian for CBP, all that does is put, take more guys off with more of a focus and a mandate to do humanitarian and not security. And then the treatment for the migrants anyway, is not going to be any better because there's no outtake.
0: Correct. There's none. I mean, right now, I, yesterday, right? Uh, Chief of Border Patrol Carla Provost was was up at the Hill for uh, a hearing, and she made it very clear. You did not fund HHS until June. And just in one month, we went from holding 2,500 unaccompanied children, Border Patrol, right, holding them, to 300 because we, you gave us, you finally gave us that outlet to HHS so that we could at least deal with the unaccompanied children. It's so, a huge, huge difference. It's night and day. It's no, like exactly. a 2,000% decrease. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. It, it, and just in that statement alone, it proves what we've been telling Congress yeah. for months. And but, it's just sad that they choose to ignore our leadership, choose to ignore our agents, choose to ignore customs and the situation quite frankly
1: but but it also ignores the fact the front end too that the best way to end this again most importantly it's americans it's not a humanitarian crisis um the job of the united states government is not to deal with other countries humanitarian crises you know with the side energy and resources we have we could we could do what we can but When it comes into conflict with American security, that's our first and and really foremost responsibility. So Donald Trump started to implement the Barack Obama approach, which is – Hey, buddies, we're going to start deterring you from coming here to begin with. That was Obama's entire approach in 2014. So isn't it true that a big part of why you're having the decrease also is at the front end, the intake also, because of properly interpreting asylum, because of just the more aggressive posture, sending the message that now nah, maybe you can't necessarily come here. Isn't it true that while the numbers are still bad, it, it's off the peak for May, right?
0: That is correct, I mean, but but it's twofold, right? So we can say that for the month of June, our numbers went down they slightly. For the month of July, I can probably say that the same is going to take place. But we can't ignore the fact that we've been already saying for several months, our leadership has been saying for several months, that we only have 30 to 40% of our manpower doing the border security mission. So that's at least at a minimum right? Let's go with a 40%. At a minimum, 60% of border patrol agents, our manpower are not doing the border security mission. Of course, we're going to have less apprehensions because now the the larger number of apprehensions are just going to be those that give up to us, which are the family units and unaccompanied children, because we don't have, quite frankly, the manpower to be out patrolling the rest of the border to ensure that the criminals are not getting biased. But and, now, I mean, that's the
1: that, border yeah. is open. And like you're it's, saying, it's, if, you, if you're telling me you have what, eight to 12 or so agents per 60 miles? Correct. I mean, in, in your area. Yeah. So what I don't understand is whenever the cartels throw people in the water and throw people at you, their whole business model is designed strategically to tie you down with this so you could get these guys in. So, you know, I I saw a Senator from Iowa talk a lot about a humanitarian crisis. And what I didn't hear her say is literally that day, a girl was almost kidnapped and raped by an illegal alien from El Salvador in Iowa. Last week, a family of three who might've been illegal aliens themselves were killed, permanently separated in the grave, by the way, family separation there, by a previously deported Guatemalan. And I was saying, she should be up there giving a speech and saying, wait a minute. Every state is now a border state because ICE, by my calculation, has deported 1.8 million criminal aliens over the last 10 to 12 years. Now, these people, you know, tried to put down roots here. They're going to be pretty ticked off getting removed. They're going to want to come back. You're to me one of your biggest jobs is all of those guys that we see in that ICE data, the child molesters, the drunk drivers, the murderers, all these people, drug traffickers. That they don't get back in. That to, why, why is that not the focus? The hearing on how they strategically get in and how you need more dogs, horses, boats, aircraft, military help to to prevent that. Why is it all about? foreign nationals, I, I, I. what am I missing?
0: Quite frankly, Daniel, uh, you're missing the exact same thing I'm missing. Cause I don't, I don't understand it myself. I don't understand why the individuals which we've elected into office to be in Congress, to be able to govern our country and protect Americans as a whole have chosen not to do so. If I were sitting in, in a congressman's or congresswoman's chair up at a hearing and I hear the chief of border patrol telling me 60% of my manpower is doing humanitarian, only 40% of my manpower is doing border security, my very next response would have been, so you're telling me that we have 60% of the border not being protected? And the answer would be yes. Through their actions, this is what Congress has done. They've left 60% of our border Completely unprotected. Just imagine what's coming through. And our numbers are high as it is. Drugs, criminals, rapists, murderers, whatever. It's just, I don't understand why Congress is doing what they're doing, or should I say not doing what they're supposed to do?
1: I, I literally never hear the words cartel, transnational gang, um, child sex trafficking, drugs, criminal aliens, previously deported criminals. I never hear these words cross the lips of members, frankly, in either party, certainly the Democrats, but but I mean, really both. Um, before you came on, we spoke about how in this town in Tamaulipas, the Cartel del Golfo um, went in and had their sicarios murder people, and they had a, you know, what they did the typical thing where they put a burning car in the road, and then they put a cardboard narco message saying that this is for all of your town. You will die. Um, these are terrorists beyond belief. It's not like oh, imagine what's at the border. They are at the border. Um, I, I don't. I can't speak to the exact person, but I have found out and this is an active uh, investigation. A friend of mine um, broke news to an important federal law enforcement agency that in far Texas, there was a a golf cartel leader that is living there directing operations on our side of the border. Breitbart reported earlier in the week or last week, another golf cartel leader was caught coming over. What sort of trends are you seeing with the cartels that you feel Congress needs to focus on and what sort of resources Do you need, do you need the military to get more aggressive or could you guys handle that on your own?
0: Border Patrol can handle it on its own, Daniel, if we were allowed to actually do our border security mission. If Congress were to fund ICE, fund HHS, allow all these individuals' immigration process to continue and allow the system to work as it should work, we wouldn't have 60% 60% of our border open at this point. It's, it's. I mean, right now the cartels, you mentioned Tamaulipas. Tamaulipas is directly south of the Rio Grande Valley. That's a category four according to the State Department, meaning we cannot travel <laughs> over there. I mean, and it's directly south of where I work. Directly south.
1: Literally the streets I mean, yes. that adjacent the border. I mean, it's not, you don't even have to go in much. No,
0: I mean, that's, that's the state. The am is president the state and, and, and that's the situation. It's a cat four, it has a category four travel ban by the state department, but that doesn't matter to Congress. And that's what's so sickening and so shocking that they see this, they know this. And for some reason they've chosen to look the other way. And for the life of me, I do not understand why. The rest of our agents don't understand why. Wow. These are the folks, these are the men and women that are supposed to support us. We are enforcing, at the end of the day, we are the ones enforcing the laws which they've written. So instead of supporting us, they're doing everything. It seems like they're doing everything in their
1: power. To just make everything that much more challenging Wait, and daunting. For you us. are enforcing. I want to repeat that. You are enforcing the laws they wrote. Again, to be very clear, the 1996 immigration bill, it was supported by Nancy Pelosi. It was supported by Chuck Schumer. It was supported by Joe Biden. It was supported by a Dianne Feinstein. It was supported by the number two in the House, Denny Hoyer. It was supported by the number three, James Clyburn. Um, it was supported by Dick Durbin, the number two Democrat in the Senate, and it was signed by President Bill Clinton. And, you know, it was amazing. We we just talked about this case in Tennessee, your counterparts at ICE. You had a guy that had three arrests. He was um, an illegal alien from Mexico, 30 years old. He was convicted of drunk driving, which is a a habitual crime that is extremely dangerous. Um, Your boss, by the way, um, the head of CBP, acting commissioner Mark Morgan, he lost his father to a DUI. His father was killed by a drunk driver. Um, It's a very serious thing. He had a final order of deportation after he – they were nice. They were going to give him voluntary departure, and he refused to depart. And then during that time, he was arrested again um, for a driving violation, and he still wasn't removed. He was ordered de- deported. ICE just shows up to literally enforce the laws. And they engage in civil disobedience. Lock the guy in a car. Surround the car. The Nashville mayor and the city council come out and like, what are these guys violating laws? People need to know their rights. I mean, I, I, I Sergio, this scares me. The anarchy. I mean, this is what we celebrate about what distinguishes America from these countries. And this is why people like your family came here. And instead, they're they're throwing us back to to, to, to where they came from.
0: You know, it, it's daunting, Daniel. Um, I'm going to rear off a bit, but I'm sitting here talking to you, and right outside my house is, is the American flag in my yard. I'm watching the American flag. I'm watching all glory and just everything that it means to me. Not just because I'm a military veteran, not just because of – I'm still in service with U.S. Border Patrol, but just the promise that it always gives us as Americans. And the promise and the hope that it tells us that our government is always going to support us, is always going to ha- have our back, no matter what. But yet here you have an entire agency, United States Border Patrol, with their hands handcuffed behind their backs because Congress has chosen exactly that, not to support us. And it just makes me sad. And that's just me, but we have nearly 20,000 agents out there that feel the exact same way. And, And it's just, it's overwhelming to think of it that way, but that's exactly how it is. And you can ask any agent out on the river right now in 100-degree weather, seeing hundreds of bodies come straight at him. And at the end of the day, to go home knowing that his leadership at the Hill has left him or her all alone is just devastating. It kills our spirit. Literally kills our spirit.
1: I, I could only imagine because I see it every day on the interior. I see these guys come back at the border. The degree—I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize that when you have a lawless border and you have the most brutal transnational cartels and gangs from some of those violent regions control it, you're going to have a heck of a lot of problematic people coming over, and you guys should get a medal for—I mean, nineteen thousand in nine months previously convicted in the U.S. caught with with just the few agents you have at the line at a given shift. Um, and then all the ones that, you know, are getting let out. Could you, um, speak to this point? I don't know if you could talk to it, but, um, I hear from agents that the focus on the detention centers rather than on the line is so pronounced that in areas of the RGV, they are now taking off horse patrol and Bortac, very highly trained bortacs trained by, by the Delta force. They, they need to be, dealing with the cartels, dealing with the, the dangerous criminals, and instead they're kind of doing perimeter around the facilities?
0: Well, we've, we've had to take so much of our manpower off of the line for this, this, this humanitarian mission. They keep giving us facility after facility because we keep saying that we're overcrowded and overwhelmed, but yet they tell us, okay, here's a new facility, go ahead and man it, go ahead and operate it. <laughs> So now I'm having to pull, of course, I'm having to pull agents from, from the river, from any specialty unit that I possibly can, to be able to man these other facilities. Once again, every action so far that, ha- that Congress has taken for the last year
1: has been in complete disregard of the border security mission the border security mission and it's funny nobody is asking that in these multitude of hearings what is the mission of Bo- of, of border patrol and 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 the reason why they don't want to ask that is because they would sound foolish if they said uh, to um, care for illegal immigrants. Uh, well, no, it's actually to prevent them from coming and certainly the more dangerous ones. Now, look, you know, if someone's in trouble and they need help, you know, we're all we're, we're pro-life and we'll, we'll try to help as much as we can. But that can't be made as a policy that you're going to fuel that you got to deter that um, in the long run to ensure that you don't have the problem. And, and to me, if you solve the security problem and you focus on it, guess what? You don't have, you don't have illegal immigrants coming here. Cause they know that we're not going to tolerate that. Um, one more thing before I let you go, um, just cause of your background and you're familiar with, um, Mexican culture and politics. What I find astounding is this is reflected both in the polling in Mexico. And I'm seeing a lot of social media, um, reflecting this as well so you know in america the left will call me a uh, neo-nazi white supremacist um i guess i'm going to head up the jewish chapter of of the neo-nazis but the, the point is the the irony is you go down to mexico and there seems to be this surgence of sovereignty where people are saying we've had enough of this we want border security we don't want the central americans coming in um and I find them really promoting a lot of my stuff, stuff from Jason Jones, um, that, you know, they're like, thank you for having getting American media and politicians to focus on the cartels. They're killing us.
0: Correct. Well, and that's the reason why. I mean, we're talking about a country that, that, I mean, as as great as Mexico is, they have a lot of issues and they don't have the same economy that we do. And so, of course, everybody and anybody is going to be affected by the huge influx going through the country and actually staying in that country. That's that's more mouth to feed. That's less jobs for the individuals that are looking for jobs. I mean, so they, they hurt that much more than a country like the United States would in that circumstance or in that situation. And of course, the cartel is just running rampant and doing whatever they want to do they, they have an endless supply of funds they have endless resources why wouldn't they they're taking advantage of this entire situation which we have here at the southern border and i mean they're just exploiting the heck out of it for their own gain who wouldn't
1: Everything they do is logical, and and I could only imagine the stuff that they're doing. And if you can imagine it, they're doing it. They're doing it better, and uh, you know it, it's just it was fascinating. Whether it's me or Congressman Chip Roy, when he whenever we talk about the cartels. We see a lot of engagement from Mexican citizens, Spanish language social media. they're They're like, "Wow, we have Americans that recognize that we have a cartel problem right on our shared border. I mean, you know, it's funny because meanwhile the the political elites in America view that as like racist to talk about that and 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 the people that they're trying to be like, you know, protectors of oh the Mexican people. They're actually very happy that we're shedding light on this um record homicides this year and uh, the more we empower them the more they could purchase weapons the more they can come into towns like they did in Tamaulipas and uh you know threaten to wipe out towns um any parting words of action from our audience that you could leave us with
0: just we as a country you know, we we just we need to come together and force congress to do their job if that's even possible We we can't allow Congress to continue in the path that they're currently on, to continue to ignore the law enforcement officers which are charged with enforcing the laws they themselves have written. We cannot allow them to continue in this path. We have to put a stop to it. We need to have a huge outcry to all our congressional officials from both parties. And let them know, hey, border security matters. Our country matters. American citizens matter. And by God, Border Patrol agents and ICE agents surely matter.
1: Well, I just want you to remember, Sergio, certainly our audience appreciates it. And I hate i hate to have black humor here, but... Um, Just remember the next time you're confronted with 50 volatile people uh, coming at you with the sugarcane growing over your head and the ambush zones at the river. Just remember in that 110 degree heat there, the house is leaving today and they'll be back after Labor Day.
0: (laughs) And they've done nothing
1: yep good 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 times there thanks so much for joining us folks that was sergio tinoco supervisor border agent the rgv updating us on what's going on i gotta run my office is being turned upside down inside out for the relaunch of our show till next time god bless y'all this has been another episode of the conservative conscience